Welcome to Gotta Get Up. This is a special episode. We're here with Brian and Misha. And you already know it's Erica. Got Brooklyn in the background. We're here to preview Washington Miss. <laughs> I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm sorry I had to. My horrible backdrop. Anyway, I'm going to mute myself. Oh, shit. Yo, you threw me. Okay. <laughs> yes, we are here to preview the Washington Mystics at New York Liberty. This is the round one matchup after the epic ending to the regular season. That's coming up on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. Gotta get up. Gotta get up. Gotta get up. Hey, women's basketball fans. Welcome to Gotta Get Up a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. All right, Misha, you know Brian and I had to bring you in. We did our best to summarize the last regular season game on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, but we did spend a decent amount of time on Washington because, listen, that shot? You know, like Teaspoon's always going to have the shot, but that shot, that play call was pretty tight. We want to start before we preview the series on getting your thoughts on the last regular season game. So first of all, it broke my heart because I was at work when the game was on and I couldn't watch it, you know, as in depth as I really, really wanted to and go up how I wanted to. Um, but I rewatched it again today um, and I just thought, you know, this is how I thought these teams would look against each other at the beginning of the season. Surprisingly, that first game wasn't as close as we thought it was going to be. But again, that was the beginning of the season. That's what happens. We see right. NFL week one. You know, if you if you pay attention to that, it's hard to watch. Um, but this is, you know, this is where I thought both these teams would be in terms of their ability to compete with one another matchup wise. Um, it, it gave everything that I really wanted to see. Um, and especially that last play. I mean, talk about using Lee Mung um, as a decoy and the way she flew, she flew off of that kind of brush screen from EDD um, Ariel Atkins and the timing for EDD as soon as she cleared Atkins brush screen to go hit, you know, uh, I think Sabrina was guarding Sykes and we talked about the pass had to be on point. The timing had to be on point. Um, a lot of folks have stuff to say about, you know, poppy crop duo, uh, you know, kind of going rogue a little bit on the play call, but, Folks, at the end of the day, for me, is, is a fantastic finish to a great game um, and a great primer for what should be an excellent series between these two teams. Yeah, absolutely. And Brian and I talked about it. If you're Washington, you want to get that taste out of your mouth. Uh, and you did that. You bookend the regular season, a win at home against New York, a win on the road against New York, going into a playoff series against New York. I got to think that Washington's feeling pretty good. That being said, if you're the New York Liberty, of course, you don't want to lose. You know, you get a little bop on the bemba, as my abuelo used to say. You know, you get you get hit in the mouth a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know you're the two seed. You're going to have home court advantage. And you just got to shake that off. And I think what I liked from the Liberty is that they could put, from a basketball perspective, the fact that Washington just got them, Right. They anticipated some things, which is a part of the game. Um, and then they shook it off. And Brian, you and I talked about this a little bit, but I think what we do know is that regardless, neither one of those teams wanted to go into overtime ahead of a three-game no. series or a best-of-three series. Yeah, that was very much uh, we are not getting paid time and a half today, so this is going to end right at right right when 5 o'clock hits. We are out the door. We are not staying on 502, 505. These notes can be done tomorrow. We, no overtime for me. <laughs> yes, very much the energy, especially knowing for the Liberty, it was fan appreciation. They was probably – in, in that, you know, autograph line for at least a 2.5, three hours. Already the know. way it was looking. The way it was looking. So they was like, nah, y'all got that. Y'all got that. We'll see you Friday. Um, but that's the thing. And that's what this podcast episode is going to be about. What are we going to see come Friday, come Tuesday? And will we go beyond that? I think there's a high likelihood that this, this series goes three. 
honestly, and if it goes the way I think it's going to go, three is not even enough. <laughs> okay? Like, because no one's going to be satisfied with just three, but that's that's a story for another podcast. But, um, Misha, let's start with you as the, the representative of the visiting team. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, um, you know, what are some things that you think Washington is is really going to want to focus on and what are some stats that you think they're going to hone in on and want to refine and perfect going into a best of three series against the New York Liberty? So I think um, for DC, it's about staying with your what you know. You know what I mean? It's going back to basics. What's this team built on? Defense, right? We know that they're one of the top defenses in the league. Um, they have what I think is a, an extremely uncanny um, and uh, rare ability, you know, everybody on the team, when they make mistakes offensively, when they turn the ball over. For me, this is a team that more often than most teams finds a way to get that ball back instead of, you know what I mean, letting that lapse turn into, oh, they get a bucket, then they go on a run. When DC's at their best, I think they're, the, they're one of the best teams in the WNBA at shoring up those kind of things. So it's going to start with their defense. It's also going to start with ball pressure. It's going to start with disrupting Stewie. Um, and being as physical with her as they've been kind of, you know, throughout the season series, the regular season series, I think, um, you know, after each game I, we've watched these two teams play, to me, that's one of the things that stands out is, you know, whether Stewie struggled or whether she was hot, um, DC uses their physicality to kind of get her, try to get her out of rhythm. At the end of the day, Stewie don't do it. <laughs> but I think that's one thing to look out for. I also think that Rebounding the ball, of of course, that's going to be a huge, huge, huge either Achilles heel um, or a boost for the Mystics, um, depending on, you know, whether or not Kira, Shakira Austin is able to play in this game. They could have another rebounder um, that, you know, helps shore up that part of the uh, that part of the game. And if not, Tiana Hawkins, the guards, um, as they did, I think, in, in that last game with New York, uh, rebounded the ball well. They're going to have to step it up um, and defensively specifically because you do not want to give the New York Liberty one and two and three chances at a shot because that's when you get kick out kickouts to Sabrina Inescu shooting logo threes and Maria mm -hmm. Johannes and that you know that can really uh, put a damper on your momentum. Um, and I also think you know turnovers, turning New York over is is a priority. Um, it's it's one thing to get a stop; it's a whole other thing to eliminate an opportunity to score the basketball. Um, and so they're gonna have to do that as much as they can. And offensively, they got to not turn the ball over. You know what I mean? This is this is the situation where um, I think if the if it's a low-scoring game, that favors Washington still. But the pace we've seen these two teams play at, it's probably not going to be a low-scoring game. It's probably going to be 75-plus on both sides of this thing. So D.C. is going to have to limit their turnovers, uh, make the most of every offensive possession they get. Um, and, you know, inevitably, once New York starts, you know, zoning in and zeroing in on EDD, um, on Sykes, which I think – I don't know if there's been a team that's figured out quite how to stop her just yet because uh, she goes in between that uh, 1A, you know, scoring option tier mm -hmm. to kind of 1C, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we just got to see uh, what kind of aggressiveness she comes out with. I thought she was great in their last game against the Liberty, but herself, Natasha Cloud, Ariel Atkins are all going to have to be in attack mode every time they touch the ball, moving full speed, moving downhill with pace, um, and forcing New York to, you know, make decisions on switches and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I I'm just so excited to watch this matchup, y'all. This is going to be some <laughs> basketball. I cannot. Yes. No, I mean, you said so many things, and um, I, I liked what you said about physicality, something that Brian and I talked about. You also talk about effectively, like, having that dog and Misha, the first time you joined Gotta Get Up, that's one of the things you talked about, the core of that 2019 Mystics team coming back and being able to now add a few more elements. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Now, before we go to Brian, see, like, I put together these whole rundowns and then I don't even follow my own rundown. I was supposed <laughs> to. I was supposed to. Who does? Right. Never. Like we just like we just so we ready. Like we ready. let's go. So what I was supposed to do was remind everyone how the regular season series went down. So as you mentioned, Misha, it was one sided in game one of the season. It was the New York Liberty at Washington. Washington takes that 80 64. Brian, you and I have talked about 
that New York Liberty team, game one, very different to game 40, but I'm going to give you a chance to get into that in a little bit. The second time these two teams would face off was, um, so that was uh, uh, May 19th, just so we're keeping up. June 25th, it was an 89-88 win in favor of the New York Liberty. Then July 21st, it was a New York Liberty win, 96-87. So we see two lopsided affairs um, right there. And then, of course, we get to 9-10, the 90-88 victory for Washington. So we've seen both teams, Brian, win a blowout. We've seen both teams win a close call. Now it's your chance from the Liberty perspective. What do you think are some things that the New York Liberty are going to want to hone in on, refine, and perfect as Washington comes in for game one and game two in the first round? Yeah, one thing that the team talked a little bit about in postgame was that they didn't play with the physicality that they usually do. That was a point that Sandy was making. She felt that Cloud got anywhere she wanted, and she wanted Cloud wound up having one of her best shooting games of the season against New York. Um, Kayla Thornton echoed the same thing, saying that they weren't as physical as they needed to be. And so I think that's going to be a big goal of theirs. And with playoff basketball, the, the physicality naturally ratchets up and, and less calls, less fouls called, at least in a good day. So we're going to really get a good physical, intense kind of game, really back and forth kind of game. Also, um, with Misha's point about rebounding, I think it's going to be really key for the Liberty too. One thing Sandy's broken out a little bit over the past couple of weeks is playing Steph Dolson and John Paul Jones together, which is really intriguing. So you, so JJ can do a lot on the court, and we really, since she's been so much in the polls, we haven't really gotten to see her full athleticism working that way. But when she's with Dolson, she gets to like roam around a little bit more, do more damage that way. So I think the Liberty size is going to be a good is going to be a key for them, especially if Shakira is at best, less than 100% or at worst out. So Washington's going to be down their best front, their best rebounder and interior defender to handle JJ, handle Dolson, handle Stewie when she plays five. So that's going to be something that I think that's really important for the Liberty to, to hone in on because when they've won games in the second half, they've obliterated teams in the glass. Like I had to keep, I've kept up with it for a while. Like I think in pretty much every win after the break, they won the rebounding battle. And when they're able to control the glass, they control the pace. They're able to get out on the run when they want to. You get those transition Johannes threes. You get Stewie rampaging on the court, getting easy layups, drawing extra defenders with her. You get easy threes for your nest. So I think them being able to control the glass and really get to work on Washington in that way is going to be really interesting. Something I'm wondering about, and I wonder if Misha can sort of build on what I'm thinking I wonder for Washington, I know Atkins and Deladon have just gotten back and they were on minutes restrictions to close out the season. So I guess I wonder what the transition is like going from minutes restrictions at the end of the season, just getting your way back in, to having to hop back in full throttle against a really tough playoff team. Like, do you take those restrictions off and just do do it immediately? And I wonder what that process is like, especially for game one. So that's a great question. I, I love that question. And it's something I wondered about myself. Um, and I will answer it by saying, I think obviously because Ariel had the, the issue with the nasal fracture, it'll be a little bit harder for her to, it could be, I don't say it will be, it could be a little bit more difficult for her to find a rhythm. I think Elena Deladon, even though she missed what, 17 games in the regular season, she still found her way into the lineup, I think a little bit more. Uh, than the rest of the, the gang who's kind of been out. So for her, because she's a vet, because she's kind of been here, done that before, um, you know, we can call it back to the 2019 finals. She had a her she had herniated discs in her back and she was still plural, plural. Know, <laughs> plural, plural herniated discs. Okay. Um, and found a way to see yes. EDD. Um, so with her, I'm not really I'm less concerned um than I am with Atkins. Um, but I do think in watching again that last matchup with New York. She was taking her shots. She was getting to her spot. She might not have been the highest scoring player in that game, um, but she looked like a familiar Ariel Atkins. And so I think I'm hopeful. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that they'll be able to ease their way in. Of course, you know, it's the playoffs. So for both sides, there's kind of that 
a uh, possibility of playoff jitters. There's a possibility that the first quarter of this series is is sloppy as a mess, but there's also a chance that, you know, both teams come out guns blazing, firing, hitting everything that goes up. So um, I'm, yeah. I'm less worried um, about Ariel to answer your question. Um, but I think, you know, again, trust trust the core that's been there that won a championship together. Um, and, you know, they, they should come out with their best basketball to start this game. I love that question also, Brian, because I was looking at the splits between the regular season, small sample size, four games, as we just talked about. But they have this stat breakdown of days of rest. And each team, as we just discussed, won two games out of the four-game regular season series. New York Liberty won two games on one-day rest. With two days rest, five days rest, those games went to Washington. And I think that speaks to a larger conversation, not only that y'all just had that, but, but that we here on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, part of Black Rosie Media, have been talking about all season long. A healthy Washington team, dangerous. Now, what have we also been talking about? New York Liberty at the beginning of the season, not New York Liberty at the end of the season. And so it's I, I go back and forth, Brian, on how much weight I want to put into that last loss because, you know, it's the last thing that you remember. It's certainly the last thing that everyone talking about this game is going to remember. That being said, you and I kind of talked about this. Did we see all of the New York Liberty the other day, I don't yeah. think we did. Yeah, it felt kind of like you know, instead of going eighty-five in a ninety zone, you're going like fifty-five in a ninety zone. Just like, just gradually, it's like, it's like when when, when you're doing like a cross-country drive, like you're taking your time, <laughs> sort of looking like looking at all the mountains as you're driving and not really speeding to get to your destination. So it felt kind of like that. So I would say that for New York, definitely. I think the first quarter might be a little bit messy for them because I think back to the Commissioner's Cup game and they had the, the defense was locked in, but the offense was like very for, for both teams that game was very jittery and very sort of like trying to find it. It took it took like a good while for, for everything to lock in. So I wouldn't be too surprised if Friday night broke out like that. And like Erica mentioned, sometimes when they have too much time off, they tend to be a little bit shaky to start off before they sort of regain their bearings. So I wonder how they're going to be able to sort of like adjust to that initial wave. But I think what, what will help also is that since they know this team really well and I've had and played two really distinct games against them, I think it sort of gives them that sort of muscle memory to know, okay, this is what Washington does best. This is how we can sort of work it. And as we're getting ourselves to where we want to be throughout the game, that those early five, six minutes would just be just almost like finding your footing before you really get to sort of launch and go from there. Yeah, and I think, Misha, you mentioned something earlier that is a little bit of a concern for me when it comes to the New York Liberty, historically speaking, um, going off of what Brian said. And we talked about kind of that dog playoff mentality. Let's not forget, this is a Tosh Cloud that guaranteed a Game 5 win. And then, like, you want to call it prayed, you want to call it manifested, you want to call just, like, stole the just stole it, however you want to say it, because Kurt Miller to this day will say, you know, we uh, just had a bad five minutes. Like, it was just five minutes in that game. No way. <laughs> we just had a bad five minutes to the point where I literally can, like, that, I, like, that always plays in my mind because that's how close – Connecticut was and then Washington snatched it because Taj guaranteed it. She wouldn't fit in to lose that game. That's the history of, of Washington. When you talk about the 2019 team, that's what we're talking about. When you're talking about the 2019 team, multiple herniated discs, plural. Okay? The Liberty... The Liberty doesn't have that. The Liberty doesn't have that. This core doesn't have that. Now, to Brian's point, they found ways to overcome adversity in this season but we all know postseason new beast new beast mm -hmm. and so what is the balance between the new york liberty misha in your mind being able to play um new york liberty basketball starting where they ended off in the regular season and is that enough to counteract the history 
and the muscle memory um, of players that have not only played in playoffs um, and won championships, but they've done it together. Because, I mean, we got to be real. Like, (laughs) Stewie's one of the most, like, silently clutch players in the history of basketball. Mm -hmm. Like, at this point, I don't even think that's a question. I'm not – I'm not – this is not hyperbolic. Yeah, it's real. Real. That's and you know I don't like saying men's or women's. I said what I said. I said ever. I said history. I don't think I need to period. clarify. I don't need to clarify. But just in case y'all didn't understand, I'm talking about ever period. Okay, that's real. But that's one person with that gene mm-hmm. versus a team that had to build that grittiness together. What What are your thoughts on that? How much does one matter over the other? So it's tough, right? Um, because in basketball, um, sports, and in general, for me, you need one bad day, or vice versa, one good day. You know yeah. what I mean? And so we're talking about uh, pedigree, essentially. We're talking about cha- championship, you know, gritty pedigree. Um, and yes, I do think right now, in my mind, the momentum just because of the way that last game went favors Washington. But to your point. Stewie is a dog as an individual. I don't think we talked about this on the last time I was on the podcast. Sloot. Sloot has championship experience running the point guard spot. You know what I mean? I don't think that's something that we should overlook. I don't think, you know, um, does does her grittiness show up in the same ways that we kind of saw it from this core of Mystics players? Maybe not, but I still think it's there. And I don't think that's something that we should overlook either. Um, But to your to your question, Erica. I, I really genuinely don't know who has the edge out as far as grittiness right now. Mm. Um, because with with New York, because they've had the luxury of resting, again, as we talked about last podcast, um, that can mean one of two things. That can mean you come out lethargic or that can mean you come out rested, guns blazing, polished, you know, so it's really up in the air. Um, and again, that to me is the beauty of this series. This, this series to me, obviously, it'd be great if DZ won, but genuinely, it could go either way. In my opinion, I think it genuinely could go either way. And you will not hear me say that a lot. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, though, I think Washington's got a slight edge, just a slight edge because of the way that last one ended. But who knows? Who knows? Genuinely. And so, Brian, now I'm going to give you Washington because what what do we know about Washington coming? We've talked about it a little bit. Just overall, the health has been at best a roller coaster for this team, Right. Shakira Austin, question mark. This is the third specialist. Uh, Kareem Copeland is a good follow. As of the time we're recording, we understand that was able, um, she was able to see or had plans to see today her third specialist. So this is like you're getting multiple opinions, which tells me that it's like, so you're saying there's a chance. I'm not, I don't have any insider information. I just think that's that's what I think. So, so you have that. Um, but then also you have a team that Brian, the last thing that they were saying, I asked, uh, Washington mystics after that win, you know, what do you want this week of practice to look like? And what slim and Tosh said is we we want to practice, right? The New York Liberty have been at home ahead of that loss. The Washington mystics have been without players, broken noses, bad hips, all kinds of things, and they haven't gotten in practice. So on one hand, you have the New York Liberty who maybe they do rest or maybe they don't, but either way, when they hit the court, it's you're going. There's no like, all right, let's stretch it out. No, you go. They're in rhythm. They know when to wake up, when the smoothies are arriving in the the locker room. Washington is going to have to create that for three days, and then Thursday they have to reset all over again. How much do you think, Brian, that might matter for Washington? Yeah. Initially, I thought that once the series was locked in for us in D.C., I figured Washington would have stayed in New York for the whole week. It's like, oh, hey, you're up here anyway. You might as well just like stay put and then not have to deal with all Kathy Engelbert's bad travel policies. But they, no! went, <laughs> but they, they went back to D.C., which surprised me. But I guess it's good to be at home before you start a journey like this, just sort of get a, get a feel for your beds, get a feel for that kind of thing, and really sort of be – in your own home setting instead of having to be up in, in this not strange city, but like just in a city that's not your home in a sense. So it was, it was, I guess it made sense to do it that way. 
I think for DC, just I, I feel they're. I think I think the uh, the sort of like having the ability to sort of like just get back in after after a, a win like that, getting those those two three days in Thursday travel to come up here, I think that'll help. And I feel for them especially when you've had to sort of fight to get into the playoffs, if it, it's almost like you're operating at a different sort of speed throughout the second mm-hmm. half of the season, because it did for a while look like they might actually fall out of the playoffs considering how banged up they were. So the fact that they've had to be on go for the past month, it's like, you know, for them, it feels almost like a situation where you don't have to start on go because you're you're already on go as soon as the game starts. So I feel like that's a good benefit for them in that regard. Whereas New York did all their business early on and they like as they kept winning, it w- it wasn't a situation where like last year where they had to fight last day to get in. They've had time to sort of get everything lined up the way they wanted to lock up the two C. Because after they beat Connecticut, that was pretty much the last major game. Well, game three in Connecticut, that was the last major major game of the season for them, aside from Vegas. So doing that was very much there. Okay, we got it locked in. We're locked in at the two seed. Everything is good to go. So it was just a matter of just like fine tuning a few things. Whereas Washington's had to sort of like sharpen everything up on the fly, continually get better because there was no tomorrow for them. So I feel like muscle memory would help them in in a sense. So I feel like that's gonna be beneficial for them. Um, I guess for both of you guys, I have a question. I have a side question as well too. This is um, I think this is Eric's first head coaching player for appearance, yeah. Eric Tebow. So Ooh, I wonder gross. for him against a coach who's been who's done this dance times in Sandy Brondello, how he handles this what he sort of like because he it feels like he has a good grasp on his group, but it's just a matter of it's, it's different when you're playing in the playoffs. I wonder if it's different coaching in the playoffs, especially for a first timer in a hostile environment like this. I wonder how he's going to be able to sort of like keep everything organized, make sure that the team doesn't so, sort of fall too far adrift and knowing when to do those those important things. I wonder for him what that transition is going to be like in game one. I like that question because Eric Thibault, and I think Misha, you and I talked about this. It, it kind of seemed like it was a little bit of an underreported story because the, the last name is still Coach Thibault and Eric has been around the team for years as you know an assistant and associate um, so that on the one hand, not only does Eric Thibault have experience with this team, this team that has won a championship, he was on the, the coaching staff there, but the transition I would imagine is somewhat seamless. I'm inclined to say that maybe it doesn't really make a difference. That being said, whether it's NCAA or any pro sport, a, a team, a player, a coach, that has to, or that is in a, in a position where they are someone who has to talk to media every single day. And the only person on a team that talks to media every single day, shoot around, pregame, postgame, because players rotate. But who is that? That's the coach. And, and you hear that when you get to this level, and we just got the email today, right? ESPN's carrying the entire playoffs. There are those types of things that now you have to work into your schedule, which can be draining. Now, how is that going to affect Eric? Again, he, he comes from a family of coaches. His sister is a coach. His brother-in-law is a coach. Obviously, his father is a coach. I don't know. And maybe that differs. But for Sandy, it's also a family affair on that side, right? She's able to now work with her. I know, shocker, her husband. Shh, we can't stay. You know, her husband is on her staff and that's something where they do a great job of that separation. They're working. But at the same time, when you're grinding and whether you're talking about it or not, there are just people that you have in your life. You don't have to say anything. It doesn't have to be anything overly um, affectionate, but it's a word. It's a it's a it's just a look it's it's uh you know making sure that something is in the right place to have that comfort level i don't know if that's going to make an impact but even if that's off the table for for sandy and olaf which again i think they do a really great job keeping that separate sandy's been here she knows the rigmarole has coached 
arguably the, I mean, not even arguably, the, uh, uh, you know, the WNBA has crowned Diana Taurasi, like the, the player of the, whatever it was called, you know, um, just a few years ago. She's coached Brittany Griner, you know, like Skylar Diggins-Smith, like all of these people. So I don't know that that doesn't seem like it's going to be the thing that phases her. That, those are just my thoughts. I don't know how much that matters, though, because it's it's the players that are, are going to be battling it out. But that's my take on that. Yeah, that I think, you know, Brian, that's an excellent question because people, you know, like you said, they assume because the last name is still Tebow that everything is, you know, things are peaches and cream. It's seamless. It's whatever. But I just want to point out, we got to remember in the regular season, the Mystics is last road trip of the regular season. It was up and down as to whether or not they were going to make the playoffs. That last road trip was kind of the determining factor. And I think they went, what, one for three on the road? Like, that mm. that's tough. And we got to consider, you know, okay, yeah, they just won in Barclays, but the first two games of this series are on the road. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, no matter how you slice it, you can be the most professional professional in the world. It's always nice to be home and have home field advantage, or home, excuse me, home court advantage, home field advantage. Um And, you know, that last road trip was rough. And I think, you know, watching it very closely and seeing a lot of the pre and post game and interviews with the players and all that good stuff, um, it was obvious that, you know, as resilient a team as this DC squad is, it's tough. When you're losing games on the road, when you lose a game on the road that you feel like you should win, whether it's close, whether it's, you know, not close, and we don't know what this game one's going to shape up to be, but you know, say they lose the first game. That's tough. In a three-game series? Yeah. In the second game is still at your opponent's house? Like, that's that's tough. And as a coach, um, you know, folks always have things to say about the X's and O's of it all. But you're handling personalities, too. You're, you're keeping people composed. You're keeping people together, which is a harder thing, um, I think, than folks realize. Team sports, you know, you can have all, all kinds of personalities. And um, from from my vantage point, most, all these all these mystics players have wonderful, <laughs> but when things go south, you know that's tough. You really got to yeah. get down in that foxhole with with the folks that got you there. So that's real. Um, that this being his first playoff series as the head coach, I'm very interested to see how you know, depending on what happens in the series, obviously, um, how adversity is handled. I will say though, think about the entirety of the season, not just the last road trip. And yeah. there has been a lot of adversity that has been well, shambo. <laughs> that ain't that, that, and that's the truth. Ruth, we were talking about Spike Lee joints earlier, so I had to put that in there. Hey, no, no, we're not gonna do that. Okay, I'm done. I'm done for real now. I'm done for real now. But Brian, I like that you, you, um, you know, you tossed that over to us because one of the other things that we wanted to talk about was X factors, right? And I honestly wasn't even thinking about staff and personnel. But, you know, that could be an X factor that that we come across. And so I think on Got to Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media, that might be something that, that we, we take a look at. And maybe we tap in with the coaches a little bit more for our viewers and listeners. Um, but let's talk about X factors for players. Like that one player who they give a performance, not to say that it's outside of their capability, but it's just, it's, it's, is what took their team to that next level. It took them across the finish line. Who are some players, Brian? I'm going to ask you for Washington, and I'm going to, Misha, ask you for New York. Who are some Washington players, Brian, that you think can be the X factor um, and in any category? Are they doing it Swiss Army Knife style, where they're doing a little bit of everything triple-double, or are they just perfecting their role and elevating it to the next level. Who do you who do you have uh, circled? For Washington, I think I might go with Queen Edmo. Like we were talking about size earlier. Like she's gonna be battling with JJ and Dolson down there. And we and Liberty fans know that JJ and Dolson play with a lot of great physicality and a lot of great toughness on the interior. So if Austin is out or severely limited, there I feel like Queen's going to really need to have a really big series to sort of like make sure that Washington Ooh. is able to last and do what they need to do in that regard. I'm going to stick with the bench and say Lee Mung as well, too. You know, she's really she's really a fantastic three point shooter and she can really get 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 open, get good shots up. And I think especially the Liberty's offense is so dynamic and they think they, they I think they want they want to smash the assist record and especially they're able to get you from three-point range. So you're gonna need 
a really competent and capable three-point shooter in that regard. So if the Liberty ignore Cloud when she's from three and, and put more attention on her as she's driving to the basket, can Lee Bong cash in on those mm-hmm. open three-point opportunities if she gets them? So I feel like they're gonna I feel like the Mystics are gonna need big series out of both of them if they want to win. So they're gonna be people I keep an eye on. Ooh, okay, okay. Where you stand on that? Before you talk about the Liberty, how, how do you think Brian did right there, Misha? I think that's a very astute observation. I think um, Lee Mung, she's kind of, um, for all repeat team, um, she's kind of had, I think, of a up and down, up and down uh, kind of year or season contributing. I think there's been games where they needed her to win. Um, and there's been games where, you know, she kind of fell by the wayside, depending on who they had in the rotation at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But as the season has come to a close, I wholeheartedly agree. She's been huge, hitting threes. Um, and I think even in some cases facilitating and getting deflections, um, which is something I didn't see as much during the, the majority of the year. Um, and Queen Egbo, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there too as well. Depending on, you know, Kira's status, as we are still waiting on that, she could have to come and play huge minutes because um, – it's kind of segueing into who I think will be X factors for the Liberty. Um, like you said, she's going to have to battle with a JJ that I think, I don't think JJ had a bad game at all. The last game, I thought JJ played extremely well. And I think as we've mentioned, um, as you all have mentioned on the podcast, since the all-star break, she's only been trending upwards. Um, so I think those are both extremely astute observations. Um, and yeah, my X factors, JJ has got to, I'll start with JJ. Um, you, teed it up extremely well, Erica. I think there are certain things we've come to expect from both of these teams on any day that ends in Y, like you said. Like, there there are certain things that are just going to – they're going to happen, um, whether they happen throughout the course of the game or just in the fourth quarter in clutch time. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen, you know, um, two of the games in this season series have been down to the wire and past the wire into overtime in one case. Mm-hmm. Um, but J.J., when she dominates the boards – Yep. Um, when Washington gets one shot, when uh, she's deterring drives, which is something you know Stewie does that well as well. But when she's when she's being a rim protector and Natasha Cloud and Brittany Sykes and all those quick explosive guards can't get to their spots in the lane, that disrupts Washington's offense because that's when they're at their best is when those players are attacking. Um, and then when JJ is hitting a three, you know when when she when she's dealing with physicality and she's getting the the longer end of the stick uh, on foul calls and things like that. She's very dangerous to me. Um, so she's got to be an X factor for New York. And then you're going to love this one. It's Marine. It's got to be Marine. It's got to be Marine. How can we not talk about Marine? I think, um, again, in a matchup that I'm expecting to be blow for blow, pound for bound, uh, possession for possession, when she gets those minutes as a primary ball handler, spelling either Sabrina or Courtney Vandersloot, whether that's turnovers or points, is going to have a huge impact on the way the game one, game two, and hopefully game three shake, uh, shake out because those minutes are, are crucial. Um, and then when she's off the ball, we know what she can do. To me, that's even that's more of a given, what she can do off the ball when she's receiving it, um, when she's playing from the two spot. But that point guard minutes – those are going to be huge, positively or negatively for New York. See, y'all, y'all good, y'all good, y'all good. <laughs> but but uh, Brian, same thing. React. I mean, I know I, I kind of interjected there, uh, but but what do you make of what Misha said about New York? Yeah, I love the JJ answer. You know, she mentioned on Sunday she treated it almost like a playoff game in a sense, as far as like making sure she did what she needed to do, got to her spots, and did everything she wanted to do on the court. So I think. I may not expect 19 and 9 every night, but I do expect a lot of great interior presence from her. In the third game in DC, JJ wore the Mystics out. I think she wound up scoring like 15 first quarter points, some some number like that. But she had done damage to them throughout the season. And I think that for the Liberty, if they're able when when they're at their most dangerous, they start with establishing JJ early. She's able to wear teams out in the paint, and then everything else just builds off of that. So I think if they're able to really put Heinz Allen in trouble, Hawkins in trouble, Egbo in trouble, mm-hmm. if the Liberty are able to do that to start off, then that's really going to make things more capable for them because 
if if the mistakes aren't foul trouble, it helps helps like you know Laney when she's in the post, helps Unesco when she's driving, helps when Stewie has the ball in the mid post. So it opens up so many avenues for them. So I think by starting in the paint and building outwards, it puts a, it puts it puts Washington at a disadvantage. And for Marine, I love I love that answer too. I feel like she really. Throughout the season, she's gotten more comfortable with Vandersloot playing alongside Courtney Vandersloot, but she and Sabrina Unescu have been dynamic from jump. So having a situation where Sab's on the ball and Marine's running all over the court off the ball, getting free, getting wide open three-pointers and getting to the basket, and then when she's playing with Vandersloot, playing a different kind of Marine, just being able to really move, just sort of like being able to move off the ball, keep pressure that way, provide that space for delivery players in the post, I think that's going to be super valuable for them. And I think also last year was was a great experience for her in that playoff series against the Sky. So having that WNBA playoff experience your second time around, I think will be very helpful for her. And she she was successful in, in that three-game set last year. So I think she can build off of that. And I think build off her success throughout the end of the season. There was a point where she was kind of down. It, it was about when Dawson was out, she struggled a lot. But when Dawson came back, she sort of she started to, to regain her rhythm. The cup game against Vegas, she had one of her best WNBA games. She's really been able to build off that over the past month. And I think by being alongside um Vandersloot and UNESCO, or even sometimes with the three-guard lineup that Sandy's been rolling out on occasion, I think that creates so much opportunity for her to get loose get wide open shots, be able to really keep the offense humming. And I think for Marina as well, you don't really think of her sometimes as like a really difficult defender, but she's a lot rangier than I think we give her credit for. Mm, she's long like, too. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes she'd be in the passing and I said, oh, wait, how did Marina get her hands in there? That's a surprise. So just mm. her life on that end, I think it creates a few unique troubles for Washington as well too. So I feel like Marine's going to really be someone that the Liberty sort of continue putting their faith in and trust to really have a big series. I love what both of y'all said. And I think if I had to offer two more names, I would say for Washington, there's a, a few names that I want to say, but really thinking about the, leaning into the X factor as far as a player who maybe isn't at the top of the scout I'm going to say Tiana Hawkins. And I love Tiana Hawkins talked to us pregame before the last regular season game. And one of the things she talked about was being able to get more starting minutes again. This is a Washington team when they're healthy that Tiana Hawkins plays one role. When they're unhealthy, she plays another role. Giving me very much, I mean, early returns as in it's only one season, but giving me very much D.R. Hamby vibes. Yes, Absolutely. And so, I mean, I don't think, do I have to explain that anymore? Like, if I'm saying someone's giving you Dierica Hamby vibes, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Dangerous. And it's someone who, she doesn't have to learn how to be a starter. If anything, it's been the other way. It's learning how to be effective as that six player off the bench. Now for the New York Liberty, I mean, we've talked about Sloot. I was inclined to maybe say Sloot. Y'all already know I love Benajelani and and Kayla Thornton. We've already mentioned Marine. So I'm going to take the leadership route, X-factor leadership route, because I do think the deck is a little more stacked on post-game leadership as a unit, as a core for Washington. So what I think I would love to see happen, however the series goes, is for Sabrina to find her elite level game on a roster built the way New York is built. For now, this is Stewie's team. The future is Sab. And that's why, if I had to guess, certainly if I were the GM, and I've been writing about this for years, I would bring in veteran guard, did that in Sloot. You bring in elite post players. She's got JJ. She's got Stewie. Um, then you have the 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 punch coming off the bench of Dolson, Kay- Kayla Thornton. You know, Laney can kind of get up in that mix too. Sabrina Ionescu has played a great season and will likely be, if I'm being honest, is probably going to be WM- all WNBA second team. I think she's played well enough for second team. 
she needs to play like she will undeniably be a, a, a league MVP, a series MVP. And she has that kind of game. She hasn't had to execute it. Um, not with any consistency, not with the consistency that the Liberty has needed from JJ, not with the consistency that they have absolutely needed from Banajalini, not with the consistency that they've needed from Stewie. And so, but we have also seen that she gets hot, game over. So if she finds a way to be a, a silent assassin, that's also the opposite of what I just said about Hawkins, who's maybe not at the top of your scout. Sab is up there. So teams are scouting for her. They're preparing for her defensively. If she breaks and cracks the code, she goes into cheat code mode. Because it's going to be her team in the future. That's, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone's arguing that. But yeah, when, I'm when does that happen? Yeah. Something I want to add Um, throughout the season, she's gotten progressively better against Washington in that first game. It was very much, you know, everyone's not really where they need to be yet. So it was very clunky in that regard, but in the overtime game back on June 25th, she wound up scoring, I think, like 31, and she was really able to make Washington pay when they put extra attention on Stewart. I think her third game was like kind of all right. But then in the last game, I think she went she went 27 and 7 with like four three-pointers. So I think her being able to gradually find success and build on each game against that Mystics defense, I think is very promising for New York. And I think it definitely one thing that she talked to us a while back about was that. For much of the season, she was bad in two-point range, and then every time she would drive, she, she, she told us that she would always make decisions at the last second because she's thinking too much and thinking, oh, driving, I need to pass. Instead of thinking, you know, I'm driving, I'm going to attack and finish, and then if something's open, then dish it out that way. So I think her just gradually getting comfort in that regard and being able to really find her game in that sense, I think it's been really valuable. And I would say also... Her initial two game and a half back from the calf injury, she was she told us after the Sparks game that she was shaking off a lot of rust. And now mm -hmm. from the second half of the LA game into Sunday and Sunday's game against DC, we we're really seeing that all WNBA second team player back to where she is. And I mm -hmm. think having a player like her who can really bend the defense out from 35 and further just makes things mm -hmm. even more complicated. <laughs> and further. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if if the league ever puts in a four point shot, I'm like she might just like stand there just to, just to do it and just eat on through on fours all day, which I day. I would watch honestly. Like I want to see like I I want to um I know there there are like some YouTube videos where it's like oh here's a three point shot, but it's getting it's progressively further. I want to see that for Sabrina. So just yep. give me progressively further three point shots and fours Over. if it's like that. So Over. I think her being able to be that second option and be someone that the, the mystics can't afford to even take a second of rest against is going to really open things up for the rest of the team so i think for her and, and and similar to marine that playoff experience last year i think is very helpful because knowing that actually gets a championship team that let that the sky work when they were all fully loaded and fully healthy having that experience and playing really a really competitive and good series against them will help going into this one here against an experienced championship laden team yeah and yeah let's not forget you know the new york liberty won that first game against chicago obviously that does not make a series win which they quickly found out um <laughs> but you know i like i like what you're saying and i was thinking as as you were talking brian What's um uh baby sister Olsen? Isn't her um isn't her Marvel character the one where she like absorbs people's powers? Yes, like, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So basically, that's what Sabrina's doing. We already know she can be a triple double machine. She's got literally, she's got an elite rebounder, an elite scorer. <laughs> And an elite passer that she's learning from. And she's just going to absorb all that talent and make it into her own mega superpower. Like, to me, that's the vision. That's the long-term vision. And why I say this will eventually be Sabrina's team. But Misha, it gets down to this part of the preview. 
when we have to, when you talk about a preview, that means you also have to end with predictions. And you know how we do. I don't like to cajole people only into who you think is going to win the series or who you think is going to win game one. But I also like to give you the option to say, Washington wins if boom, boom, boom. So you get to, you, you're, you have the floor with your little bland background. <laughs> Look, we can't all have a New York skyline, okay? We can't. We can't all have a New York skyline. Oh, my God. Because oh. you messed up my intro with me laughing and cackling. You got to put that one in the director. Oh, you already know. Predictions. Gosh. Predictions, predictions, predictions. Um, for me, the most important factors in this series are turnovers, Mm -hmm. assists, and rebounds. Okay, points are gonna happen. There's gonna be plenty of offense. Points, assists, and rebounds. For me, DC wins if the rebound differential is less than five. Now, let me be clear. Let me clarify here. They don't need to win the boards. Right. They don't need to win the boards. I Plus think, minus five. Yes. Saying. Yes. I think so long as, you know, it's close, it's competitive, and they don't get smacked on the boards, DC can win. So they win if the rebound differential is less than five and if they have more assists than New, New York Liberty have. Ooh. Those two things in conjunction with each other, not separate, in conjunction with each other. Mm, both um, have to be true. Both have to be true in okay. order for them to to, the, to happen. the both ends math sign. Yes, the, <laughs> the both <laughs> and math sign. Um, I also think, and this is another, uh, I guess, permutation of that. Um, the team that gets the most bench points, Ooh. and the team with at least fifteen total assists. Mm. Those two combinations, right? Wow. We've got assists and bench points, and we've got rebound differential and assists. Um, now I'm putting a lot of I'm putting a lot on assists. I love a good assist, but the reason why is because both of these teams, when they're working at their best, they're sharing the ball, they're unselfish yes. offensively. Um, and you do not know where the next blow is gonna come from. So that's why I'm putting so much on assists right now. But yeah, Ooh. that's gonna be that for me. Um, I don't have any, I don't have any predictions based on player performance because I think there are so many people on both of these rosters who could have um like we just discussed x-factor type contributions to this series so but that's where I'm at Ooh, all right all right Brian you up you up Hmm. I think New York wins if Jonquil Jones gets a double double each game I think I feel like JJ is so critical to their success and they can win if she if she struggles or has foul trouble as they as they've done throughout the season. But if she's dominant and able to really put her imprint on the game, I think I think the Liberty dominate the series if they do, if she does. So I think JJ is gonna be my big person to keep an eye on us for for the Liberty. I would say they also win if UNESCO is shooting 45% and better from three-point range. She's, I think she won up. She's, she, she set the record for total threes in the season at, at such a high volume. So I think if she's able to repeat that, I feel like her shooting really gives New York a huge edge on that in that sense against Washington. So if she's able to consistently make the defense pay from three point range, it opens things up, makes it a little bit easier for Brianna Stewart in the mid post and the low post, gives her more room to cut to the basket. So if she's able to shoot at least 45% from three, I think Liberty wins. Ooh, ooh, I like these. I like these. And, you know, I know I keep saying that we talked about Courtney Vandersloot, but this is the second time I've been kind of teeing up for y'all where I'm like, I feel like we have to bring in Courtney again because I believe strongly in a true one. I believe strongly in a floor general. And you have a floor general that has experience. Misha, you mentioned assists. Boom peak performer right there that being said that's the obvious right <clears throat> and I think the Liberty can meet your both ends even if Vandersloot for whatever reason because we have seen sometimes you know she needs to be like that little Giants kid where they put that tar on her hands because sometimes that ball just slips it's very rare that was but- my movie that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> Ah, 
hot hands, hot hands, you know. <laughs> it happens every once in a while. And I'm like, Courtney, why do you do this in the like the one game? We didn't need this. We didn't need it. We didn't need it. I see, I'm mad I put that energy um out there, but um I think we need to see the Courtney Vandersloot, and I'm forgetting what game it was, but we need to see the scoring, Courtney Vandersloot. Now, Courtney Vandersloot, we know is going to drive, but it's almost the opposite, right, of what you were saying, Brian, about Ionescu. That's always going to be a part of her game. So I think it has to be that mid-range or deeper. If she can start finding that, and if that rotation, that ball is swinging, and they start finding Vandersloot on the perimeter... I think she really has to have at least one game where we looking at like, you know, I don't even, I mean, you know, it's got to be like 25 plus. I really, I really think it's got to be like a 30 point game. I think especially if this goes three, Vandy's got to have, you know, she's got to, she's got to have a, a 30 plus point game. That's real. That's real. I, I didn't, I didn't do um, a player pick just because you know I was looking more stats but if I had to pick a player for Washington it's Tasha Cloud mm. it's Tasha Cloud she's got to have at least eight attempts in the paint for me it's not about mm. her three point it's not about that um I think and that goes to my point about them attacking the basket she sets the tone she and Brittany Sykes yep. I think set the tone yep. I think Sykes has found that rhythm and that consistency yep. I don't quite yet think Tasha's found it this season even though Previous seasons, I kind of feel like it was more, you know, part of her repertoire. Yeah. Um, but she's got to have at least eight playing attempts. But yeah. I like that. Yep. Because that's where I was going to go. And I really didn't have a good gauge on whether I was going to go Sykes or Tosh. But sometimes they're just kind of a two for one anyway, especially in post game. Um, but I love that. I love that. That's exactly right. Those are the three players that um, it's almost like, you know, X Factor 2.0, you know, like if, if it if it comes down to it, everyone else is doing what they do to your point, points are going to come. Then there you go. It's happening. It's happening right there. That's that's how it's going to happen. Well, I mean, I think we I think we accomplished a lot on this little preview here. I hope I hope folks took a nap in between. <laughs> We gave y'all some content today, okay? That's it. That's it. You can't say we're not thorough, okay? We're not leaving no stone unturned. But I do think this is um this is the series. We're talking about two versus seven. Sheesh. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yep. Over the four or five, over everything else. It's the two seven that everybody's got to be having their eyes Ooh. on. Wow. And Sandy be the first one, you know, and, and you know Washington knows it, but like that Sandy Brandello said it the other day, you know, that's not, that's not, we're not taking them as a seven seed. Mm-hmm. And that's, listen. And another thing Washington has said, uh, you know, some, I think Brian, you also mentioned this, but Washington has been like, you know, everyone's been talking about Vegas, everyone's been talking about New York, but look at how we played against those teams. And you know the only team that did it better is Dallas because they did it against Vegas, New York, and and Connecticut. Another team to watch in these playoffs. LT, she ain't playing the games. My coach of the year. Yeah, I was telling Erica a few days ago that um, Dallas and Atlanta, (laughs) I was telling Erica a few days ago that Dallas and Atlanta has the potential to be an antics-filled series. So I'm like, I (laughs) want to see what Dallas can do, especially since since this is their first home court advantage since they were in, I think, since they they were in, I think the Detroit Shock was the last time they may have had. I think it might have been Tulsa. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say Tulsa. I was like, I think, I think, I think when they were in Tulsa was the last time they had home court in a playoff series. So it's been a long time coming for that fan base. And with all the changes they've been through, I'm really excited to see how that young team puts it together in that in that sense, especially Enrique. So this this is like our first real playoff series. Yeah. Last year, last year don't count because she played like five minutes and she was hurt. So I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to hold those stats against you, sis. It's oh, you're you're all right with me. So this year, new playoffs, I'm excited to see what you do. 
All right, folks. Well, that is our preview of the Washington Mystics at New York Liberty in round one. Those two teams will square off. It's going to be this Friday at Barclays. Brian and I got our email to make sure we're going to be there for you. That's a 7.30 tip-off Eastern time. And to Brian's point, Atlanta and Dallas tip-off at 9.30 Eastern that same night. We are recording on Tuesday, so uh, by the day this goes up for y'all, you will see Minnesota at Connecticut, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then Chicago at Vegas, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's the postseason. Anything can happen, but that's going to do for our preview. Make sure you're following Black Rosie Media because, oh, yes, oh, yes, there will be content. There will be plenty of hashtag content. Brian and I coming from the bowels of Barclays and might have to find a way to get Misha involved there, too. Um, definitely keeping you up with this series. I think we go three. Honestly, I'm going to keep it real. I think we go three. And if we don't. If we don't, whoever wins, whoever sweeps is going to do so in uh, like dominant, like finish him fashion. <laughs> like it's done. It's a wrap top tap. I hope this goes three, but whatever happens, I've loved chopping it up with y'all about this, this matchup. I, I think we're all three just as excited. And I hope everybody out there is excited too. That's it. Nothing but love in these streets for both of these teams. It's going to be heartbreak for one. It's going to be triumph for the other. And that's just the first round. Yo, crazy, crazy. Stay tuned. We'll have the rest of the series for you coming up. But for now, peace out, everybody.